Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 23 years in the National Football League, and I can tell you this. There is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander. He's one of those guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. That blue collar pills are coming to work. He's going to outwork you every single play. 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. Oh, baby, what a hit by Lorenzo Alexander. Lorenzo Alexander is here. It's Thursday. It's time for the lowdown for the next hour, I would assume. Wolf, I have no way of knowing this, but I assume this is everybody's favorite hour of the week. Yes? It's mine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? I so... think the listeners like Zoe's here. All right. Zoe, some, bring some credibility and some sanity to the show. No pressure. Um, how you been, man? I've been good. Uh, took last week off. Was up in Park City, spending some time with the family. Went skiing for the first time. First time ever? Ever, yeah. I mean, most of my life I've been an athlete. Grew up in Oakland, so that really wasn't a thing that we did um, at all. And so by the time I could afford to go or take my family to go or go on my own, I was I didn't want to risk, you know, yeah. tearing the knee up or, you know, straining something, which I saw multiple people do. And now I, I fell <laughs> as well, but I'm a professional faller, you know, from tackling and jumping over guys. You know, I know to roll into things and pop up. Yeah. Uh, but we had a blast. It was just a good time to be with family and just kind of uh, disconnect from everything and really enjoy um, you know, uh, being retired. I don't oh know why I said goodness. ever like that because I've never gone skiing either. <laughs> but I've at least snowboarded. Before. No, I did. Growing up in Buffalo, New York, no, okay. I, I tried to do Skied it. Of course, work. I was the worst skier in the history of mankind. <laughs> it's Ran a little into different. Multiple trees. Okay, I can see that. Was you in high school? Just, um, yeah, I was. So you was, was probably school. fully grown, six two with two oh five ripped up. <laughs> no it's way, a little man. bit different, man. When you that big, like yeah. I'm two forty, I'm going down here. My son is, you know, five three. 100, 100 pounds athletic. He, yeah. can, he was going down blacks, black diamonds by the fourth day. Oh, yeah. come on. There's no I way I would skis? even think about Yes. It was his first time ever skiing. Come wow. on. That's the type of athlete he is. <laughs> but it's different because they don't have any fear. Obviously, he's a little lower. He doesn't weigh as much. Lower to the ground so when he Because I was going yeah. down some things. I'm like flying past him. I'm like, man, I'm trying to stop. <laughs> I couldn't stop. But it's just different when you're a bigger body doing that type of stuff. Did you get any lessons? Did you get yeah, any we did. I did a lesson, okay. a lesson the first day. Then my boy, Derek Dockery, who also played in the league. He's a big man, too. He started Come coaching on. me. And it really helped. He was able to put things in perspective that made sense to me. But skiing is like counterintuitive to anything you do as totally. a football player. Yes. You know, the way you lean, picking up your feet, you know, body body lean and all that. It was just different. The black diamonds, are those are no joke. I, I once, and I'm not a great snowboarder by any means, but once accidentally went down one oh. of the double black diamonds. Like halfway through, I'm like, right. I don't think I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. We got so here to talk some football. And we're going to start with the Cardinals this week. Final week of the season. You got the injury report out here from uh, from yesterday, and there's a lot of names on there. I mean, the outcome of this game doesn't ultimately matter all that much, but DeAndre Hopkins is on there, didn't practice, and has already been ruled out a few mm. days ahead of time for Sunday's game, which is a little bit different for Cliff to rule a guy out that far ahead of time. So I just, just start here, because a lot of people have been having this conversation, Zoe. Is this it for DeAndre Hopkins in your mind for, with the Cardinals? Like, is this because he's a guy that if you traded right. him, you could get some pieces back? Yeah, and how old how old is Hop again? What is he? He's close to thirty, right uh, up on it. Let's see, I think no, he's, he's, like he's actually 20, he's thirty. Yeah, I think he's thirty. No, he's oh, okay, 32. thirty. 
got how many more years left on his deal? Is it 31 or 32? He is 30. Oh. Okay. He's 30. So he's right there. So he's okay. he's right there in the, in the, in the yeah. so as far as, you know, somebody else wanting him. Obviously, we know what he's able to do. His contract, how many years does he have on that? Right? Because yeah. these are all, like, challenges and I barriers think, that I think about. He's I think set to all make the, $30 million next year. I, I think I all the guaranteed money is done. Oh, okay. He's got, think, he's got two you know, more right. years. But the, okay. yeah, the guaranteed, guaranteed money is done. Yeah. You can renegotiate and do all the, that different type of things. And, I mean, when you look at it, um, it, it would make sense because I don't think anybody after this season, I think, you know, I think everybody, if we're going to, you know, be honest, the Cardinals are a lot further away from winning a championship than we all thought they were a year ago at this yep. time, right? Um, then you put in the mix of Kyler being hurt, right? And he's going to miss a significant amount of time. I just saw he had a surgery and congratulations to him and hopefully for a speedy recovery um, in, in that regard and then he can make it back. And so you're in this weird dynamic of, of a place where you need several pieces. You have another guy, J.J. Watt, that's going to be walking away as well, right? And so now you start seeing holes. There's several other veterans that we're not quite sure, but almost can say that they won't be around next year, whether they decide to retire or free agency. And so for me, from a, a GM perspective, if I'm throwing that hat on, I'm looking at some assets of, of who do I have that is valuable. Obviously, I never want to give up a player like Hop, but if he's not going to help us be able to win a championship, then I want to start maybe let's, let me explore some things. Where can I get maybe some draft picks, some draft capital back, and really rejuvenate this team and make it a youth movement and identify pl- pieces that are going to be here for three, four-plus years that can maybe grow into a championship caliber team, um, especially as Kyler comes back and, 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 and hopefully – asserts himself and continues to develop. And so I would say yes, because obviously the longer you wait, just the older hop gets, right? You start wearing tear kicks in and all, all those things, and you're not he's not going to be as valuable from the standpoint of, you know, and I, I don't know what a receiver, but just making it up on the point system, maybe two number ones versus getting up one number one, right? Yeah. And those are the things that you want to kind of evaluate and what they'll do. And I would say it's probably a good time to make that move. You know, it's so interesting because right now we all know the dynamic that is going on with all the uncertainty surrounding the organization at the general manager right. position, what's going to happen there, even at the coaching mm-hmm. the coaching uh, conundrum, the coaching staff, that question is swirling right now. It's almost like you have to come to a meeting where you say, where are we? Where right. are we right now? What we, You've got to be 100% truthful in that. That meeting, right? So yeah. sitting around the big tech rectangle saying, where are we right now? Yeah. You have to answer that before you know how to proceed. Yeah. And I'm sure they've been doing right. that. Right, yeah, and that's, that's the point. That's, that's step number one, right? <laughs> Who's our GM moving forward? What does that situation look like? Is it, do we still rock with Steve? Is he coming back or no? Are we moving to, uh, to somebody in-house? No, are we going to start the hiring process? Right, uh, now are we going to keep our coach? Right, all those things have to be worked yes. out before you even get to the players because that's the the leadership top down, at least the way it should work yeah. um, as far as an organization. And so we got to see how that stuff pans out. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, you, to your point, Wolf, they need to be proactive because at this point you know what you are, who you are. You gotta tell nothing, the nothing is changing. And so start making some of those hard decisions right now so when the season is over, 
you opening things up or you're confirming things that these are the people that are going to be in place because you want to maximize the time to make sure you get your guy, the right guy. And so you have this runway of whoever's coming in, the learning curve, right? You give them as much runway as possible because running, obviously, an NFL team, whether you're a coach or the GM side, is hard business. And you don't want to be behind the eight ball even more so if you kind of drag this thing out and then you make a decision maybe in I don't know, uh, let's say early March or mid-March, right? Yeah. That would be even more catastrophic because now you got a guy coming in trying to figure out what he's going or you have a lame duck coach that's like, I'm really not giving my all because I don't know where I'm going to be. And then and then you make a change. So it needs to happen, I think, sooner than later. Yeah. It, it just it, We were talking about this earlier. Like You have an opportunity to really change a lot as the Cardinals if you really want to do that. If you want to say this this season was so bad, let's change as much as we can. They got a lot of free agents. They got a piece like DeAndre Hopkins they can trade. They can they can move on from their coach or their GM if they want to do that stuff. It's not always the case for teams, but yeah. if they trade DeAndre Hopkins, that sort of signals like this is at least a one-year, like a mini rebuild, right? I mean, that, well, that, yeah. that's the signal. And, and you know the great thing? No, I'll say the great thing. <clears throat> you can have a successful rebuild. I think when people think rebuild that you just right. blowing things up and we're going right. to be trash and suck and we don't but you're developing and you can look at different people that have done it, it takes other people longer but I think about two coaches that I was around Sean McDermott first year 17 year drought come in he gets rid of all of our top players I think Marcel Darius Sammy Watkins so people thought he was punting for different reasons they were just not on board with his vision right mm. this is different but the, the outcome is the same you get draft capital yeah um, he brought in a lot of guys that he knew what his standard was from Carolina, um, the Mike Tobits of the world. And we got into the playoffs his first year. And we were rebooting and getting rid of a lot of good talent. Uh, look at Brian Dable, right? Uh, nobody thought he was going to be able to go in there and, and go to a playoff game his first year with that quarterback and that offense and what we've seen from him last year. But he's established a culture, established a standard, figured out to win some games. Maybe they shouldn't have maybe won this year, but it doesn't matter, right? They've created that winning culture, and now they find themselves in the playoffs. And so I don't want people to just automatically think it's just, oh, we're going to be bad for a long time. Yeah, not no, like not, not, if you, thing, right, yeah. not if you do it the right way with the right intentionality and have a plan and stick to that and, and do it the right way and identify some players. I always say this, right? I, I'm always going to take character over talent, right? Especially at the NFL level, the talent is so close. But what is that character? You have to identify certain guys that fit that that yes. type of guy that's going to be yes. a, that we're always talking about. That's going to do their job, right? Yeah. That's going to hold people accountable. That's going the Buddha Bakers of the world. Find those guys. They may not be Buddha Baker talent, but they're like glue guys. That's what we always talk about. Those guys are going to establish that culture to allow you to become what you want to be. And I think those both or those organizations, Brian Dable as well with the Giants and especially Sean because I experienced it and saw it firsthand was able to do that and do it at a successful rate. Alright we come back speaking of the Bills the world received positive news on DeMar Hamlin this morning we'll get you caught up on that the lowdown continues with 15 year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander next it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports the local sports leader Arizona Sports I've never seen nothing like this. Lorenzo Alexander, 15-year NFL veteran. And he is going to get sacked. Lorenzo Alexander, the former Cardinal. The Lowdown with Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. All right, welcome back to the show. It's Wolf and Luke. we got the lowdown here for the 11 o'clock hour. Lorenzo Alexander uh, joined us earlier this week, too, to talk about the situation in Buffalo. And obviously, I think everybody knows the background on Zoe, but 
you're very close to that team. I mean, you've only been retired a couple years, and you go back a lot. So you know yeah. a lot of those guys uh, that, that were out there on the field. I want to play this update before we get into it. This is Ian Rappaport from this morning giving an update on DeMar Hamlin. Really some remarkable updates, and I would say overwhelming positivity, talking to people, talk to people close to DeMar Hamlin. And there's several things that stand out to me. Uh, first of all, as you mentioned, he opened his eyes last night, uh, which had to be just really an incredible moment, to, considering that all that he has been through, that all that the family has been through, all the people close to him have been through, just he, uh, hearing and seeing him open his eyes, amazing. Uh, he has been responsive, which is also extremely positive, neurologically intact, is how the Bills refer to him, and he also has been gripping the hands of those close to him in the hospital, a sign for them that he acknowledges them, recognizes that they are there uh, and are meaningful to him. Put that all together, and it's, it's really hard to imagine, Andrew, coming out with, with better news than, than this. Uh, the other thing that stands out to me is they are endlessly appreciative of all of the incredible medical help that they got on the field, uh, the, uh, how, basically just how fast it was, the immediacy of CPR for nine minutes, uh, the care at the hospital. It has all essentially saved DeMar Hamlin's life, and for him to be where he is now is just truly amazing. So that's that's incredible it's news. A blessing. It's, yeah, it's it's step one, but it's a huge step. And the Bills have done <clears throat> an excellent job of hiring personnel. And you know, I, I'm so I'm so happy for obviously Demar and his family. Um, but the first responders, the people that are part of the Bills staff that I know really closely, the the person that was administering CPR for nine minutes and just doing a, and it's probably a couple of different people, right? I don't think one person can do it that long, but just. Identifying the problem, executing it um, to help save this young man's life, um, you know, I don't think that can go. We can't say enough about those individuals, totally right? Uh, because, yeah, I'm, I'm, and I don't know a lot about it, but te- I mean, his heart has stopped, breathing has stopped. I mean, clinically, you're not alive, yes. right? And so, CPR to, to know that he's in a place to where he has. Um, improving brain function or it's, it's there he can grip hands he can open his eyes right that CPR allowed allowed enough time to get the defibrillator to him so that he could be in that position and so I uh, just want to say thank you to those people for just doing their job recognizing it right obviously being probably scared in the moment but no ex- executing their job right we think about it as a football player but executing your job to save somebody's life and not panic and and not allow the moment to overwhelm you to execute it i uh, just want to say thank you to all those individuals i totally agree with that zoe because honestly they can, you know you don't understand you, you don't go out these trainers that ran out onto the field um I, i'm sure they were heightened there's no doubt about it right. they were on a look but you're not thinking in terms of life and death you're right. thinking maybe he passed out because he took a headshot. Yeah, right. He took a shot. Yeah. You could see it. And especially when he fell on his back, too. Once again, he, his head hit yep. again. So I'm thinking they, they could have easily gone out there and said, oh, he's passed out. He's passed out. Right. You know? I mean, because you can't see. You got shoulder pads mm-hmm. on. You got a yeah. lot of equipment going as well. The fact they recognized 
so quickly yeah. that he's in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, to me, really speaks to the acumen of these first responders that yeah. went out there on that field and it got him going with CPR. Well, I mean, yeah, 30 seconds earlier, you're just watching football. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, I know those guys are trained to always kind of be ready for stuff, but still, I mean, those people are human, too, to be able to just instantly be like, okay, we're watching football, and now we're saving somebody's life with all of these players gathered around us and right, 25 yeah. million people watching. And, yeah, just a remarkable Yeah, and you job. have a relationship with these guys, right? You're in yeah. close quarters with a lot of the trainers. You become really good friends. I mean, I talk to them all the time and get invited to weddings and, and then to be pumping on some, one of your brother's chest. I, I mean, know. I still get emotional about it right now. It's yeah. just... Because you can see it, too. Yeah. That's yeah. It's real. That's when, Zoe, I thought the game was over when I saw the look on the, the Bills' faces yeah. all being around their brother on the ground and especially, too, when the Bengals started coming out onto the field right. to console their opponents. I mean, you know, it just the brotherhood, man. Um, yeah. It brings you it, back. It's real. Is long, you've been in a locker room um, a lot more recent than I have, um, but I'll tell you, it brought back a lot of memories. Yeah, that never leaves. And I, and I'll say this too. I know there's been a lot of talk about um, just having resources, obviously for the guys that were on the field. But being able to talk about it, because this is just not what we do, it's been therapeutic, I think, for myself and a lot of other guys. And they've created spaces for legends. Because obviously a lot of guys weren't out there. You saw it, and they call it complex grief, where you actually feel, because you were that guy. You can see yourself in those shoes, right? You have some men. I know you have a son, or you have one son, right? I have a couple of sons that want to play football. Some of our guys' sons are playing football. And to see that and see what and it, and it becomes real, we we know it, yeah. right? It's out there. We we say things and it kind of I think desensitizes us to to some extent that yeah I'm really to die for this. I'm going to lay it all on the line, right? Um, they've done a really good job of creating these spaces for guys to uh, share, um, be open about how they're feeling, um, as well as equip some guys to have these conversations with your sons. I mean that's a, a conversation. That I'm going. I didn't do it right then because one son is eight, one son is twelve maybe a little too early for that but some guys have kids that are in college playing at a high level you know so how do I communicate my feelings and and understanding around the 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 violence and the reality of what this game can take it gives a lot I want we definitely it gives a lot got us free education a ton of great friends and relationships right met my wife through the game had my kids while I played there's a lot of things the game has given to me but we always have to respect the game and understand what it can take and so I say all that, you know, again, um, that's why I'm not letting my kids play tackle until a little bit later. I want you to develop and understand. I want you to do it smart. I'm not against people that have decided to let them, but do it with uh, intentionality and wisdom and having these conversations, not only with your kids, but also with their coaches and hold coaches to an accountability standard of what you're teaching them, what they're going through, because everything matters. They have such a big impact, and I just want people to play this game in the safest way possible, because it's not a safe game but you can do it in the safest way possible yeah that's a great point man you know i just want to say this quickly because um i want to get this off my chest but when i when i was a player um invariably we used to walk out into that tunnel and um you yell out dying time mm-hmm. dying yeah time. right yeah because you die a little bit when you go out into the football field and you give everything we used to yell that out dying time nobody really thought you were going to go out there right. and die it was never about life and death it was about how hard you were going to play and how much you were going to give 
after this Damar Hamlin thing, um, that never needs to be said again. Right. It, it's not. You and I were talking about this off the air the other day. It's not really life or death. Otherwise, everybody wouldn't have reacted the way they did on Monday night. Correct. It's like, whoa, this is not. Great this point. Is, this doesn't happen, obviously. Um, Zoe, you mentioned the coaching, and I know we got to talk to you about this a little bit on, on Tuesday, but I want to play this, this cut from Zach Taylor real quick, just talking about Sean McDermott. And again, you know, all the stuff that we're talking about, Sean McDermott's going through that too, right? Yeah. And he's got to, not only with everybody watching, manage his own emotions in that situation for something nobody prepares for, but he's got to, he's, he's still leading all these guys too. Uh, this is Zach Taylor's, just his impression of how Sean McDermott handled everything. I won't disclose um, any of the private conversations Sean and I had, except for this, when I got over there, uh, the first thing he said was, I need to be at the hospital tomorrow, and I shouldn't be coaching this game. That, to me, provides all the clarity, because there, there was no uh, unprecedented is the word that gets thrown out a lot about this situation, because that's what it is. But in that moment, he really uh, showed who he was, that, that all his focus was just on DeMar and being there for him, being there for his family at the hospital. And, and at that point, um, I think everybody everything trended in the, in the direction it needed to trend, and the right decisions were made there. There's one more from the Bengals coach. Again, just Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and the entire organization. Um, you know, they're, they're support in the moment for DeMar and you could just see how that team felt about him and the impact he has on them um, you know just just uh, was class all the way I, I always knew Sean um, not you know we, we didn't we never worked together never never had a meal together or anything but always had respect for him but seeing the way that he handled his team um, you know just deepened that respect for him and, and verified everything that I always thought he was about as a man and so obviously you know Sean really well. You've played for him, uh, and maybe it's from just talking to you as much as we have. But that Buffalo situation has always seemed a little bit different than, than a lot of teams in the league, where it does just seem like it's almost a family. Well right. before all this, yeah, and, and that's one of the hardest things to walk walk the line of when you think about the NFL locker room, right? Because you talk to some old school pets, it's like this cold feel to the league and you know you hear the stories ACL blown up let's move up five or ten yards and we're gonna keep going we gotta lock back in right um I think Sean has done the an excellent job of of preparing his players to uh be family right he talks about his faith he wears it on his chest everything we do is around his faith serving one another loving one another it is not a facade it's not a uh, it's not a story or a, a feeling he's trying to get the guys to buy in so he can win games. He truly cares about you as a man and your family and your kids. And every decision that he makes, especially in crisis situations, is going to be the, for the betterment of you and your family. And uh, he sees you as one of his. I mean, a lot of these kids, he has a son, too. And so he can see his son in you, and that's the way he treats you. And it's and it's, um, it's a brush of fresh air. I think our league has transitioned to this, more of this, than more of that old kind of cold kind of distanced uh, approach. And um, I, I, I think it's a betterment for just for the league overall. What um, a stud yeah. Sean McDermott is to sit there and look at another NFL coach and say, I, I don't I can't be here. Yeah. I need to be with him. Yeah. And he, oh, my goodness. What a stud. I get why Zach Taylor's not going to say anything else in that conversation, and he shouldn't. Right. But I, I'm glad he shared that because you could kind of see that in the conversation. Yeah. And McDermott's like, that's great. This is a huge game. I'm not going to stay. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. There's more important stuff. And, right. and Zach Taylor was, you know, he was on board with it, too, obviously. I just, it was a horrible situation. I feel like everybody in the situation handled it about as well as you could possibly ever hope to handle that. Uh, we come back over 
to the Cardinals. J.J. Watt retiring after the season. Was Lorenzo Alexander shocked by that decision? I was. Oh, I want to just get your thoughts on this because you've talked a lot about how guys have to handle retirement and how you prepare for it. So that's next. The Lowdown continues. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 23 years in the National Football League, and I can tell you this. There is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander. He's one of those guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. That blue-collar appeal to coming to work, he's going to outwork you every single play. 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. Oh, baby, what a hit by Lorenzo Alexander. Hi, welcome back to the show. Lorenzo Alexander is here and... Hard knocks last night. There was a lot of talk about uh, J.J. Watt's retirement, obviously. In fact, here's Cameron Thomas congratulating Watt on being able to retire when he wants to. It's not something that always happens. Thank you, Cameron. Yeah, I appreciate it. My dream one day is to retire when I... When you want? Yeah. I agree. It's uh, 10-year-old me sure as hell didn't think he would be able to do that, so I'm very fortunate. Uh, so J.J. Watt, we haven't really got to talk to you about this, though, because he did it. It was last week. It, it came out that he was going to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, you were one of the first people I thought of, and not that you were ever J.J. Watt's teammate, but just because I've had these conversations with you in the past of, like, guys don't typically get to choose when they retire. Right. I got to think if I were a professional athlete, I would I would be going the Brady path if I would just probably stay a little bit too long. I, I, I think that's got to be one of the toughest things in sports yeah. to be able to walk away, especially because Watt's still playing good football. Yeah. It's a little different. Uh, you know, when you're a QB, the Brady, you don't you don't get hit as much. Yeah. The practices aren't as hard. You know, what they do is hard, but the 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 day-to-day intensity and physicality that you have to play with as a defensive lineman, right, or linebacker, you got to hit a guy every single play you make in contact, right? And having to overcome that and get ready for a game each and every week, especially, what did J.J. get? What, he got 15? Where is he at? Somewhere in there? What how, many, how many years? Oh, he's got uh, 12. 12. 12. 12. Years, 12. Yes. You get over those double digits, man. It's just the wear and tear, and then you think about everything that he's gone through already, right, with some of the injuries that he's had to overcome and then rehab and get back, and that rehab process is mentally draining. And then you think about some of the things that he had to deal with earlier this year mm-hmm. from a, um, a health standpoint, and then you add in the birth of a yes. child, right? right? So then things start being put in perspective, especially everything that he's accomplished from an accolade standpoint outside of a championship. You think about his financial situation and what he's made throughout his career, and you start thinking, right? And I'm pretty sure if, if he would have if he would have made the decision later after what we just saw going back to Demar, right? That would put even things even more in a in a realistic bucket. Like, do I really need this? Because at this point, the only thing I'm serving is my own desire, right? Because I want to keep playing this game. Mm. Uh, maybe you're chasing a championship, but that those things you cannot guarantee. I always tell boy, why you didn't stay around? Well, I would have lost. I would have played another year in my body and lost in the AFC Championship. Another yeah. year in my body and lost in the first round of the playoffs, right? And it's just so hard. So mm. you're chasing something that you cannot control by yourself, and there's so much that goes into it. And so... 
um, it's it, it's not surprising. Um, um, it, it makes a lot of sense, and I think it's a great decision for him. And I'm pretty sure he just didn't make it this year. It's been a build up process, and obviously JJ is is such a impactful figure um, that has transcended sports, and he's going to do well. And you know, I'm obviously in that space now too as a Legends community coordinator to help him walk through that process any way that I can. And we have 23 other guys that are here for him as well because it, there is a shift, right? Me and Wolf was talking about it. Now your schedule is not regimented, yeah. right? It is not planned out for you, <laughs> you know? And it and that is, as little as it seems, is, is something hard to do, to structure your schedule and be, uh, first of all, identifying what you want to structure your schedule around, right, after you've done something for so long, and then structuring your schedule, and then being able to make the, the pivots and the transitions almost on your own and that's why we have commute, uh, coordinators you don't no longer have a, a a coach right you no longer have a, a position coach you no longer have <laughs> trainers that are there to take care of you and just show sure. up yeah. you no longer have that locker room immediate support from your guys that are there that you see every day right and so those are a lot of changes that happen pretty quickly even though you have a bright future that you still have to be aware of and intentional about and so um, proud of JJ Obviously, everything that he's accomplished, um, I'm, you know, I, I'll reach out to him at some point because I'm connected with the Cardinals a little bit, and if he wants to have dinner, just to kind of talk about some just some things in general, and and kind of help him move through this next chapter of his life because he just has so much ability and the capacity to be still be impactful. It's just the vehicle he uses is going to be a little different. You know, it's it's so amazing because I love the sound. Um, there's Cam Thomas. You have to remember Cam Thomas. Do you think Cam Thomas grew up actually? watching J.J. Watt over the last oh, yeah. 12 years. He told of us he did. It was the first that, thing he told it, us. That's exactly right. Now all of a sudden he, he wore number 99 at San Diego mm-hmm. State because of J.J. Watt, right? Uh, and there he is. Here he is in his rookie year and he's talking to this guy that he has idolized. He's talking to him and wishing him well in his retirement. It had to be a still point moment for Cam Thomas too. Yeah, they may have, they may have actually when I was a rookie. passed a torch to each other. I mean, oh, that, that was man. so like yeah. spot on with it. Right, kind of knowing Cam a little bit, definitely uh, 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 a moment, a fundamental moment in his life to be able to meet JJ, play with JJ, learn from JJ, yeah. and to kind of congratulate him as he's transitioning. I mean, it had to be just surreal this whole year and experience for him. Yeah, it's it, you. You can see the impact he's had on a guy like Cameron Thomas, Zayvon Collins, obviously some of these other guys. And who knows? I mean, it's it's not like because he retires, he just doesn't talk to those guys anymore. So I mean, that's, right. that he could still be a mentor. Uh, real quick before we hit the break, the other thing you said in there too, Zoe, was um, that he's probably known for a little while. And I, and I feel like with your, you know, you I don't want to tell your story for you, but yeah. you knew for a while. Like you, had, you, it wasn't just like the last game. You're like, oh, I'm out. I got to think that makes the transition transition at least a little more not easier but like it makes it more uh, of a final thing because you've already made the final decision and you're kind of weaning yourself off yeah. kind of emotionally and mentally yeah. the whole year right you don't have the expectation you're not going to the off season well what am I going to do right because it's easy it's very easy to jump back in it as we saw Tom do right yeah. it's very easy so yeah. making days. that decision like way before the 
end of the season? Because once you get to the end of the season, you got that first month, month and a half, mm, I'm feeling better. <laughs> man, I'm feeling right. good, man. I, I think I can, yeah, I think I can still do this <laughs> thing, man. Oh, oh, it's training camp. Right. To what's point? We creatures are happy, man. It's time to go. So That's I think right. the earlier you can make that decision, right, um, the better, because then you start, you just mentally start making those little transitions and pivots and, and putting up some of those barriers in your mind, like I'm not going to go there, or maybe I have a planned trip when this happens, so I'm not thinking so much about, is it time to report, right? Yeah. You start doing things like that to kind of help out the transition. He's had such a great year. He really has. J.J. Yeah. Watt, ten and a half sacks, yeah. um, all the tackles for loss. He's had a great year for the most part. I would not be surprised. Again, I'm not trying to diminish <laughs> anything. <laughs> I'm not trying to do it. But you know what I'm going to say, man. Yeah, yeah, it's so yeah. hard to go out on top. It, it is. It is. It is. He's still on top. He'd, he'd be the exception. And, and to this, yeah. I hadn't thought about I hadn't. I wasn't firm on on retiring, but I was, had kind of told my wife, "I think I'm about ready to retire." And then I had 12 and a half sacks, and I'm yeah. like, "Man, I sure, I'm about to just reap the rewards from this, baby." Sure, I, and I played, and I played three more years, right? So it, it is hard, but it, it's also what we right. don't know is is how bad does his body feel? Yes, that is Correct. the ultimate thing. Like, how bad do I feel right. on a Saturday or Sunday morning getting up to get 10 and a half sacks? which can be the ultimate kind of equalizer to, to push him out of the game. All right, we come back. What's it like facing a team that gave up on you with their season on the line? We're going to take you through the biggest stories around the National Football League. Next, the lowdown continues. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Here we go, fellas! 15-year NFL veteran, Lorenzo Alexander, joins Wolf and Luke. A guy who epitomizes class, integrity, and is a true gentleman. The lowdown, brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. Final segment here with uh, Zoe today. It is the lowdown. Lorenzo Alexander is in here and figured to go around the NFL a little bit here heading into week 18 and one of the more compelling games. Boy, it has been a weird season for the Rams. Like, it almost feels like they're not even in the league. And we've seen them twice, obviously. They're in the same division as the Cardinals. But they have a chance to do some serious damage to the Seahawks, who were the overachievers of the league in the first half of the season. They've trailed off a little bit. They're still in the playoff race. Got one game left. Bobby Wagner, who didn't necessarily leave on the best of terms with Seattle, has a chance to really play a role in the end of their season. He talked about it yesterday. Again, I think it's. I think it was. Um, there was a reason for that, and then I think it's different. It's, it's one. Like I'm pretty sure you played your family before in like basketball, golf, or whatever. Like when you play like your friend or like that person you met over there. You know, y'all playing, y'all might talk a little trash, it is what it is. But when you playing your family member that you that knows your like deepest, darkest secrets and know exactly what to say to you when you to make you feel some type of way. And also, you know, you playing the organization that you felt gave up on you. So it's, it was warranted, to be honest. And then again, I'm playing against people. I know how to push their buttons, too. So I know exactly what to say to them to make them mad. And I did that. So he's motivated. Yeah. <laughs> he said a lot in there. Yeah, okay, you're playing he against your family, bunch. but an organization that also gave up on me. I, it's a different, I know it's a different dynamic. You go right. out there in the field, you're like, I'm playing against the front yeah. office or the players. I know that's different, but still, that's a lot. Yeah, my, my first, they, they drafted a certain type of guy. 
You know, that's what I just went to because I know Sherm really well because yeah. I served with him on the EC. You hear Bobby talk, then you you know uh, Earl. Yep. Right. They, all those guys are kind of built wired very similarly <laughs> as far as and man, if you if you cross me, man, it's gonna be some real problems, right? And they and they hold on to it, right? They don't care. They are gonna let you know about it. So that's what I was thinking about as he was talking about. Man, he sound like Sherm. He sound like Earl. Man, been around these dudes and these dudes, Russ. yeah. <laughs> They're just going to let you know how they feel, and that's why they were so good, you know, with the Legion of Boom and all yeah. that. But, yeah, I, I've never had that type of animosity towards a team, and I've, and I've obviously been cut a couple of times. I've been cut here. Um I did have two and a half sacks when they played him the next time. But, so, but, <laughs> who's counting? Yeah, who's, who's, who's counting? Who's counting? Oh, who's so counting? Um, oh, that was so padding. I <laughs> <laughs> was so padding. Steve, like, man, I, I, I you know, you, well, you hear that thing, man. I'm sorry I cut you, man. Oh, you know, one of the best players I've been around, man. You had two and a half. I thought you was done. No, that's all good. <laughs> but he's over but it, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Zoe's been yeah, holding yeah, on to right. that at yeah, all. Yeah, but you kind of hold on to that type of stuff. I'm, you know, you I'm not here. I'm not as, as, as going to talk about it like, like those guys, like put it out in the media and let you know. You know, I like to sneak up on you a little bit. That's just how I how I do it and then let you know after. Right. But uh, it, it's part of the game, right? You you have these emotions because you were with the organization for so long. What was Bobby there? Like almost 10 years, if yeah. not 10, right? You've won a Super Bowl there, been to another one, built a lot of uh, relationships within the organization, not just on the football side, in the community. And then for whatever reason, right, uh, you're not there anymore. Um, and you're going to have your perspective as a player. And when you come back, you want to let guys know, hey, this is what you're missing out on. I mean, it's, you know, it's just it's part of the game. Um, and, you know, regardless of what their season is, he has something to go out there and improve and, and compete high on. Yeah. And they, they have an interesting perspective there anyway, those guys, even with Russell Wilson leaving and some of the, the comments about him because they, they won the Super Bowl. They were great for a long time. And then they were so close to winning that second Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not going to change the personality of a Bobby Wagner or Earl Thomas or uh, Richard Sherman. But I, I do wonder, it, it just seems like there's a little extra edge to everybody that leaves Seattle that was part of those great teams because they should have won a second Super Bowl. Um, over to the Raiders and the move away from Derek Carr. It sure seems like a move away from Derek Carr. Devontae yeah. Adams has said, look, man, I came here because of Derek Carr. Right. Um, so he he followed up on that yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I, I came here. You know, I wouldn't have been here or ended up here um, originally probably, you know, if Derek wasn't here. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I won't be here, you know, in, in the event that he's not here. Um, he's that's, that's my boy. Obviously, I got his back or anything. I think I've made that more than clear at this point and, and I support him and support everything that he has um, you know moving forward as well but um, you know my, my dream was to play for this team before he was a Raider obviously and at this point I want to you know obviously try to make this thing work and, and, and continue on doing what I'm doing here and um, you know myself get better and obviously see the team grow and get better as well. It's kind of an awkward spot for him huh like you're going Derek Carr's like hey come play on my yeah. team and he shows up and now everybody's looking at him like so do you still want to be here because right. that was your guy. Well I mean to his point he actually I think he's from Sacramento, if I'm right, somewhere in California. In so, I mean, California, yeah, Northern yeah. California. So, you grew up being a Raider fan, and Derek Carr being there was icing on the cake, but most guys would love to play for their hometown team, especially you grow up as a child. Maybe you went to a couple of games. Obviously, you went to Fresno State, still right there in that kind of area, and you see the vibe of, of the Oakland Raiders and the Black Hole. And so, I think he's done a great job of, 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 
back in D, D.C., and then also backing uh, the quarterback and, and making sure, hey, man, I, I know that this situation that you're in right now isn't ideal, but, hey, I'm out here to support you. You don't have to be perfect. Just get me the ball where I need to get it to and, and catch it. But that whole situation is crazy because when you look at it, Jacobs is having a great year. Uh, um He's having Adams is having a great year, yeah. and Carr was a quarterback for most of that time. So this almost seems like he's an escape goat, right? Because they've just lost a lot of close games, like right the Cardinals game, right? Yeah. I mean, was that Derek Carr's fault, right? At the end, when you look at it in the totality, the losses out a lot of times that goes to the quarterback. But when you go and if you watch some of those games, you're like, man, that ain't on him. This defense ain't been doing that well either all year, right? So it's really strange because I know DC personally, I know type of dude he is, and. I have a hard time believing that he was not doing what he needed to do from a preparation standpoint, from like, I don't want to do what you want me to do, coach standpoint, to want to move away from a guy that has, you know, the year before, wheeled you guys to the playoffs with all that drama. He's a top-tier character dude, and has been in your organization. is a top passer of all time with the organization, and you remove yourself from him or remove him from the situation or from the starting quarterback position or just like that. It doesn't during, make during sense. The season during, it doesn't yeah, make sense. It doesn't. I'm starting to wonder if Josh McDaniels is really um, the quarterback guru. We all kind of think he is. I'm just I, I'm just throwing that out there. Okay? Well, who's, who is his quarterback's been? Tom Brady. Okay, that's one. That's but that's not. <laughs> but we that's see it. Tom be great regardless. Uh, let's see Tim Tebow. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, right. You know, it's it's kind of rough right here. I'm wondering about it because um, Derek Carr uh, he's got the lowest quarterback rating of his career, except for his rookie year. Save for his rookie year, he's got the lowest quarterback rating of it. Now, once again, I think the rating is an excellent way to determine whether or not a human being is actually playing yeah. the quarterback position well. It's not the end-all, be-all. You can't guarantee anything by looking at numbers. At the same time, if you look at who the best quarterbacks in the league are year after year after year, that doggone rating seems to be top 10, somewhere in there. So that tells me there's some validity. To it, but um, Derek Carr, uh, the thought that he's done with the Raiders, I think, is probably accurate. That I have a hard time believing that. I would have thought, sort of like Zoe just said, the fact that he navigated them through last year. I mean, all the stuff they went through oh off the goodness. field, his coach leaving midseason, oh all, goodness. and that wasn't even the biggest thing. Obviously, the fact that he just navigated them through that, and then actually took him to the playoffs. On top of all that, you would have think that would have bought him more than whatever it ended up being, 12, 13 games. Yeah, what, 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 what is their draft pick right now? Uh, it's, I mean, see. they were what, six. What they're six it? and ten now, but they were six and eight. They were still in it. It's not. It's not. They're not high enough to get a quarterback because you know sometimes the GMs and up, up top they start talking, and I, I've had this happen on a lesser extent. I guess it's like seventh right now. Seventh, seventh. So eight, yeah. I don't know what quarterbacks and you know and all that where they will move on from a guy like I or not play a guy like I have guys get, getting ready to get paid. Like, well, we don't really want to pay him his bonus, so let's figure out a way where we can kind of not he won't meet that criteria to get like a, a hundred fifty thousand or whatever it may be type of bonus, yeah, right? I've, and I've seen it happen, yeah. right? You're like, man, why are we already? Why are we rotating now? We weren't rotating the whole year. <laughs> now we're rotating, and then you, oh man, I just missed my plays by like ten plays, man. right? So I wonder if something like that is like because I know his contract isn't. 
they could cut him and still not have to pay him a lot of money. But maybe also they can get a quarterback that they can see that they want to move to the future with that's in the draft if they lose a couple more games. So I, and, and they're not going to tell you that. They're no. just going to try to blame you on something. Oh, yeah, your QBR is low and, yeah. and move away, right? Because they want to hide behind <laughs> that instead of just letting me know what's up, right? You I, I don't know, man. Let's get back to the original point, man. I'm looking at Josh McDaniels yeah. with John Desai. All right, so great stuff as always, man. Thanks for coming in. Always.